Chapter Nineteen of Molly Brown's Junior Days. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Linda Marie Nielsen, Vancouver, B.C. Molly Brown's Junior Days by Nell Speed. A warning. The girl who had been blind and could see, and Madeline of the unconquerable soul, appeared in Millicent's sumptuous apartment promptly at three o'clock on Friday afternoon. They carried with them a suitcase containing the implements of their labor, taken chiefly from Madeline's rag bag, some old stockings, several worn-out undervests, and polishing cloths made from antiquated flannel petticoats, also a bottle of ammonia and two boxes of silver polish. Well, here we are, announced Madeline, unconcernedly, when Millicent had opened her door to them. I hope you have the things out and ready. Our time is valuable. Of no avail were Millicent's pompous and important airs. Madeline insisted on treating her as a familiar and an equal. I have put you in the den. You will be less disturbed, and you can use the writing table to spread things on. Please be care. Have you made an inventory? interrupted Madeline. No, faltered Millicent. Why was it that this poverty-stricken little person took all the wind out of her sails? make it please at once in duplicate keep one yourself and give us the other but began millicent no we will not touch a thing until the inventory is made no competent reliable person would think of doing work like this without an inventory we'll wait in the other room until you have made it there was nothing to do but proceed with the inventory it was plain that madeline knew the manner of person she was dealing with while the two girls waited in the big sitting-room now a studio madeline drew a book from her ulster pocket and began to study the little southerner was never idle one moment of her waking day and the other seven hours she put in sleeping very soundly judith began to look about her the room was little changed from the old days, except that it was even richer in aspect. There was some splendid old altar pieces on the walls, and a piece of beautiful old rose brocade hung between the studio and the den. But after all, what did it come to? Was anyone really fond of Millicent with all her wealth? Why, Judith poor and forgotten had made a friend she felt small tenderness toward the rest of the world but she loved madeline molly brown came into the room at this stage in judith's reflections why hello girls she exclaimed cordially shaking hands with the silver rubbers where is millicent she is making an inventory of her valuables before we begin to clean them replied madeline smiling sweetly and blinking both eyes at once we insisted 
because it would have been unprofessional not to have had one the idea said molly no it wouldn't besides you are not professionals yes we are insisted madeline everything we do for money is professional work oh very well laughed molly and i suppose you'll polish them up so carefully that some day you'll be admirals in the queen's navy nothing less said madeline that's my theory exactly oh molly called the voice of millicent from the den please come and help me with this stupid thing i can't seem to get it straight and that was how molly came to be admitted into millicent's inner sanctum where she kept her most valued possessions under lock and key the top of a heavy oak chest rested against the wall and inside was a perfect mine of silver articles many of them millicent's own work there also was a quantity of small ivory figures collected by her in her travels i'll lift out the things and call their names and you can copy each one twice like this one silver necklace grapevine design molly sat down and began to make the list they were nearly finished when rosamond chase's voice was heard in the next room millicent please come out for a moment i want to see you on business molly left alone went on with the list taking each article from the box and noting it carefully twice on the inventory in the meantime millicent and her friend were having a secret conference in the bedroom while madeline and judith silently waited in the studio the two silver rubbers were presently startled by the apparition of molly standing in the doorway she had the look of one fleeing before a storm her face very pale and her eyes dilated with horror she started to speak but checked herself and closed the door behind her then hurrying into the room she said in a low strained voice madeline i would not advise you to do any work for miss porter the two girls exchanged a long look do you really mean that asked madeline i was never more in earnest in my life but can't you explain demanded judith blount molly shook her head and rushed from the room come on judith said madeline slipping on her ulster but this is absurd objected judith again child exclaimed her friend don't you know human nature well enough to understand that a girl like molly brown would never have given a piece of advice like that without knowing what she was talking about she's jealous because she would like to earn the money herself nonsense said madeline she is not that kind you know perfectly well that she is the most generous-hearted unselfish girl in wellington she wouldn't injure a fly if she could help herself and i think we had better take her advice but judith was stubborn we've come to do the work why go having once committed herself to this menial labor she wished to see it through after all 
whatever molly had against millicent porter couldn't concern them and in the end madeline reluctantly gave in presently millicent and rosamond came into the room what became of molly brown demanded millicent suspiciously she couldn't wait answered madeline briefly was there anything the matter with her she seemed in perfectly good health as far as i know but you had better hurry up with the inventory miss porter we are losing time rosamond helped millicent with the remainder of the list and by four o'clock madeline and judith were installed in the den hard at work all afternoon and evening they toiled and the next morning they appeared soon after breakfast and started in again this is easier than cracking rock and the pay is considerably better but i am just as tired between the shoulders as a common laborer madeline exclaimed rubbing the last tray until she could see her own piquant little face reflected in its depths as for me i feel as if i had been drawn and quartered complained judith it's worth more than fifteen dollars we should have asked twenty i would have asked it if i had thought she could have been induced to part with so much money but i saw that fifteen was her limit judith laughed you're a regular little bargain driver she said admiringly no not always answered madeline only when i meet another one well i am glad we undertook it and i am gladder still we have finished it said judith they arranged the silver on half of the table and the small army of carved ivory ornaments for which millicent seemed to have a passion on the other half then removing the loose gloves which had protected their hands they put on their things and marched into the next room with expectant faces for the first time in all her life judith had earned a sum of money and the humblest wage earner was not more anxious for this week's pay than she was will you please inspect the work miss porter and give us our money we are tired and want to go home said madeline millicent was propped up against some velvet cushions in the window seat there was an expression of nervous worry on her thin sallow face and around her on the floor lay the scattered bits of a note she had read re-read and torn into little pieces she was in a very bad humor and her warped nature was groping for something on which to vent its accumulated spleen she rose from the window seat swept grandly into the next room and glanced at the table full of silver and ivory it looks fairly well she said for millicent was one of those persons who grudged even her praise what was the amount i promised to pay i dare say you haven't forgotten it so soon answered the intrepid madeline fifteen dollars oh was it so much will this evening do i haven't that sum on hand just now i'll have to go down to the bank a check will do then said madeline sitting down in one of the carved chairs i never pay with checks i only pay cash 
i would prefer to draw out the money and pay you this evening nonsense exclaimed madeline besides you know very well that the bank closes on saturdays at noon and it's now nearly four o'clock so it does then you will have to wait until monday we won't wait until monday ejaculated madeline we haven't been rubbing silver for our health you'd better look around in your top drawer and see if you can't scrape fifteen dollars together because i tell you plainly if you don't you'll regret it how regret it asked the other suspiciously i'm not obliged to pay it until monday and i won't she added stubbornly it was growing late the girls were exhausted and hungry they had eaten no lunch except crackers and cheese at last judith utterly crushed with disappointment drew madeline aside suppose we leave her she said i can't stand it any longer without another word they took their departure leaving millicent still in the window seat looking pensively out on campus they were hardly outside before she sprang to the door and locked it then she hastened to the den and began to pack feverishly and with trembling nervous hands wrapping each article of silver in tissue paper she placed it in the chest on a bed of raw cotton when the table was entirely cleared she closed and locked the chest and addressing a tag wired it to the handle next she drew a trunk from the big closet and packed it with her best clothes this done she crept downstairs to the telephone and engaged mr murphy to call that night for an express box and a trunk the beta phi girls were all at a saturday night dance at one of the houses where mr murphy called millicent explained to the matron that her rooms were too crowded and she was sending some of her things back to new york as quietly as possible she drew her other two trunks from the closet and by three in the morning the rooms were entirely dismantled and all drapery and pictures carefully packed away these also she locked and tagged with the precision of one who intends to lose nothing no matter what's to pay one more task remained this was performed in the privacy of the den behind closed doors when it was done there stood on the table a square box addressed in artistic lettering to miss m brown number five quadrangle placing her watch on her pillow millicent now rested for several hours without sleeping at last at seven o'clock dressed for a journey with her suitcase umbrella and a handbag she crept softly downstairs and plunged into the early morning mists not once did she glance back at the two great towers as she hastened down to the station and when the seven-thirty train for new york pulled in she boarded it quickly and turned her face away from wellington forever end of chapter nineteen recording by linda marie nielsen vancouver b c